Hello, am I on? I'm on, yeah, great. Good morning, how are we all? <laughs> Everyone's really tired. Uh, great, so my name's Zach, as Jim was saying, I'm one of the home group uh, leaders here. And well, whether you know Jesus this morning, whether um, you're new to Jesus, or whether you really don't know why you're here, but it's too late to leave, um, <laughs> you are so welcome this morning, this sunny um, Sunday morning. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've had this uh, pit stop. We've been journeying the book of Acts, but we've taken a break. And in that time, we've uh, had Joel Leckie over from my home church, uh, Cosway Coast Vineyard. And he's just been sharing. <laughs> At that point, usually I scream, woo! Uh, <laughs> Bruce, you're supposed to do it. Uh, sorry. Um, so it, yeah, sorry, I lost my place there. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so Joel just shared some incredible stories of just God and what he's seen God do um, uh, just in his life and where he was at in San Diego as well as God's country, Northern Ireland. Um, I thought that would be more funny, but it's not. <laughs> so, yeah, and how good was last Sunday? Yeah, maybe. Jim enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> so last Sunday was just incredible. Worship was stunning. Um, yeah, we just had such a good time baptizing people. What a joy that is. Uh, if you're thinking about getting baptized, this is a wee nudge. Um, yeah, and what an incredible time. And I would encourage you just to grab those podcasts online and www.kingdomvineyard.com. Great. And so once again, I'd just like to draw your attention um, to the world's worst kept secret at the moment. God is on the move in these five. If you haven't picked that up already, it's good news. <laughs> And we've just seen just some incredible um, just healings and God just moving so powerfully. Um, we've had bad backs being restored, scars disappearing. And I just encourage you at the end of the service, when we enter into a time um, of ministry, just, I just encourage you, come up. If you're in need of healing today, whether it be physical, mental, or spiritual, please come. And one of our members of Home Group will uh, pray for you, respectively. Um, yeah. Mm, and as well, actually... This wasn't planned. I just get a sense this morning that um, God, uh, sorry, I just encourage you to come to the front if you have um, indigestion problems, um, possibly celiac. If there is anyone in the room, I just encourage you uh, to do that as well. Anyway, so we have a church. We've been working through the book of Acts, and we're going to enter back into the story uh, this morning. So we've seen the pouring out of the Spirit at Pentecost uh, we've seen the early church just experience constant opposition, yet at the same time, the Lord is delivering them through that, and they're seeing incredible signs and wonders. Broken lives are being restored, and people are coming to know Jesus. They're encountering um, God. And so the book of Acts, Acts itself is actually centered around one verse. It should come up on the screen behind me here. Uh, Acts 1, verse 8 um, it says that as Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, um, he gathers his disciples and he tells them that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon them and they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. <laughs> in my head, I was going to walk out the fire exit. Uh, <laughs> and so this morning... We're still at this moment, we're in Jerusalem, but this morning actually what we're going to see is that we're actually at the threshold of the next chapter in the book of Acts, 
where the kingdom of God spreads um, into the Judean countryside and into Samaria. And as you'll see in the book of Acts, if you were to read it as a whole, um, it would go up through Judea, Samaria, up the Mediterranean coast, into kind of modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, and to the ends of the earth. It's pretty cool. And so uh, Claire is just going to come, and she's going to read for our passage, uh, our passage today. It's Acts uh, chapter 7, 54 through verse, uh, to chapter 8, verse 8. And to set the scene, Stephen is he's one of the members of the early church, and he's been brought before the council uh, of the people of God, and he's just given this lengthy speech, and I'll try to summarize it in one sentence, which is basically, he's called them all idiots, you're all losers, you murder Jesus, and you're in big, big trouble. So have that going through your head. <laughs> Claire, go ahead. There we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Great. Thank you, Claire. And so in our last sermon in Acts, about three weeks ago, Jeremy uh, did a great job. To honestly, did a great job just fitting the whole of chapter 7, 60 verses into half an hour. <laughs> it's impressive. Uh, and today I want to mainly focus on the start of chapter 8, the aftermath of Stephen's execution. So we're first going to look at opposition. It may come as a surprise, um, as it's a reoccurring theme in the book of Acts. And then we're going to explore two characteristics of this scattering, which we've just heard, that led to the expansion of the kingdom of God into Judea and Samaria. That scattering is both this generational thing as well as it's a good thing. And so 
by the end of the next 25 minutes or so, how does this impact us, Kingdom Vineyard, in our pursuit of seeing his kingdom come and East Fife as it is in heaven? So at the end of chapter 7, we have Stephen. Stephen is um, he's a Greek-speaking uh, Jew. He is appointed by the apostles to help feed the people. He's almost like he's the early church's waiter, in a sense. Um, and so Stephen, in his speech, he attacks the very identity of the people um, that he is, is his audience. He attacks the temple and the land. He accuses the audience of forfeiting the presence of God, as well as their promise, the promises and the inheritance because they have rejected Jesus. Stephen references uh, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 56. He says, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. The people refused to listen and they murdered him. And as Jeremy said a few weeks ago, that what Stephen was doing is he was showing them that Jesus is vindicated as he is at God's right hand. Stephen is telling them, Jesus is alive, you're in big trouble. You not only rejected the prophet, but you murdered him. And about 200 years before this, before Jesus um, and Acts, we have a pagan king from Syria. He comes in and he conquers Jerusalem and he desecrates the temple, as well as getting the people of God to the, renounce their traditions, their practices, and their laws. And one of the ways he tries to do this, he tries to get them to eat uh, pork, a forbidden food. Um, it was almost, almost um, in that sense, he's just attacking their identity. And if they could renounce it, then they'd be easier to rule over, they'd be easier to coerce. However, many of the people of God at that time, they resisted uh, this king. They resisted this regime, and many became martyrs. And so as they are going to their death through martyrdom, they also threatened their persecutors. Some of the texts from around that time um, stated that the martyrs would scream, that you accursed wretch. And some others would even egg on their persecutors to keep persecuting in them and keep um, putting them to death. You know, it says, keep on and see how his mighty power will torture you and your descendants. They're not just going after their persecutors, but they're threatening um, their children as well. However, with Stephen, it's completely different. In verse 60, he falls to his knees and he cries out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He, not, he doesn't threaten his persecutors, but rather prays that they would be forgiven. And in this moment, we see Stephen, we see what he's really made of. The heat is on. Imagine the tension in that moment. People are shouting and screaming. Yet he responded contrary to the ways of his ancestors. And it was clear to see that he was this Christ follower as he imitated Jesus Jesus on the cross, as we remembered last week on Good Friday, Jesus on the cross in Luke chapter 23 cries out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
And in this sense, what Stephen has done is actually more crazy or just as crazy as having this incredible vision of an open heaven as he stands about to be put to death. Theologian N.T. Wright, he calls this the upending of a great and noble tradition. And the word martyr, where we get it from, is from the Greek word martus, and actually means to, to bear witness. So that not only do you bear witness of your faith through your life and through your actions, but also through your death, you're bearing witness. And Stephen does this. He bears witness to his faith as he is put to death. And isn't it interesting that in Acts 1.8, when it says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that we have someone bearing witness as we stand at the threshold of the next chapter. I just thought that was quite interesting. And so the opposition revealed the condition of Stephen's heart. And so what about us? What is the current opposition, the current hostility that we're facing in our lives? And what is it revealing about our hearts? Is our knee-jerk reaction to curse? Or is it to forgive? And in verse 1, we see this transition in Acts uh, geographical theology. And it says that Paul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And here we see the great persecution forwarding the plans of the Lord. Fulfilling Acts 1 verse 8. And it's beginning of this new chapter, but it also echoes the teaching of Stephen in chapter 7. As here we see that the people are no longer bound by the temple and no longer bound by the land. The kingdom of God is spreading. His rule and reign is spreading. And again, what about us? What are the areas of opposition in our lives? And what is the Lord's plans through them? And this morning, if you are facing hostility, if you are experiencing pain or an opposition, I just encourage you to ask the Lord, God, what is your plans through this? What are you teaching me through this? And what are you revealing about my heart in this moment? And so after the persecution, all the church is scattered except the apostles. The sent ones, which is apostolos in the Greek. <laughs> I got it right that time. Um, <laughs> they stay. The apostles stay. But why? So there's much scholarly debate about this. Uh, verse, some reckon that Luke, who is the writer of Acts, he wants to express uh, that the apostles were courageous, that they stood firm in the midst of persecution, that they didn't flee, but rather they stood firm in Jerusalem, in the city. And courage at that time was a well-sought-after ancient virtue. So it makes sense. Or maybe he wanted to express that it was his followers, it was the followers who were outside of the land of ancient Israel that provided the bridge for the expansion of the kingdom into the surrounding world. The sent ones sent the scattered ones. 
And yes, it was the persecution that drove them out. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But it was the apostles who trained them. They helped them get ready for when the time would come, they would go and run with the kingdom wherever they went. It's important to note here that the apostles, they still tend to the church in Jerusalem, uh, which, and we'll be returning to that um, in weeks to come. They haven't just stopped. They haven't just given up and went to a spa retreat, like some people this week. Uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> However, we see that the baton is passed on. The scattered go further than the apostles. They step into more of what the Lord has for his people, his plans, and his kingdom. And my question this morning is, do we scatter well? And it's quite funny that on this morning when we launch KV Kids, that we would talk about this. We're all called to spiritually father and mother the next generation. God is moving in East Fife, and we want to move with him. We want to keep partnering with him. Yes? Some people are like, yes. Some people are like, I don't really know. <laughs> However, our partnership with his kingdom advancement will only last throughout the generations if we choose to invest in those generations. Our partnership with his kingdom advancement will only last throughout the generations if we choose to invest in those generations. Everyone has something to give. Everyone has something to pass on. Regardless of your age, regardless of whether you're a student or maybe you're too busy um, with work and with life or maybe uh, you're retired Maybe, or maybe you're saying, actually, you know what? I need to get right with Jesus first. It doesn't matter where you're at. We're all called to model and show example. And of course, Jesus is the prime example of this. You know, we see it constantly throughout the Gospels. He's not doing it himself. Jesus, he sends out um, his followers to heal the sick, um, to cleanse the leper, to, oh, I've lost the verse. I had it in my head and it's gone. But it's Matthew 10, verse 8. Um, so when the disciples return, they're in awe. They're like, Lord, this is so cool. <laughs> um, and then the next thing you see is this crowd gathers they're listening to Jesus. Jesus is teaching all day, and then the people get really tired, and they get really hungry. They get hangry. <laughs> so the disciples come to Jesus, and they complain. They're like, Lord, we've got no food. Let's just send them on their way, and let's get ourselves sorted. And what's Jesus' response to that? He says, you do it. You feed them. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he again, he gathers his disciples. And he says in Matthew 28, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. Jesus passes on the baton. And as kingdom carriers, we must choose to invest in those who will go after us. 
If we are to fully see his kingdom come in East Fife as it is in heaven, we must be willing to surrender to the fact that it will be the generations after us who will see it. All the apostles were never going to get to the ends of the earth, yet they invested in those who would carry on the baton. And they invested in those who would carry on the baton. And they invested in those who would carry on the baton. And this morning, are we willing to press into that reality? Are we willing to perhaps serve in KV Kids? <laughs> Cheeky plug. Yeah. If you're a student here and you're going into third year next year, what a great time to parent first years coming in. And so scattering is a good thing. It is good to go. In verse 4, we see the term scattered, this term scattered, diaspero in the Greek. It appears only four times as a verb in the New Testament, and it appears only three times as a noun. Therefore, it's very rare, so it's quite important that we pick up on it. And so in verse 4, it says that now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. The church at the time, um, the early church, the early followers of Jesus would have known of the promises of Isaiah, and Isaiah 49 in particular. Isaiah um, was a prophet who wrote this book, and one of his promises was that every person, it didn't matter who you were, it didn't matter um, whether you're a member of the uh, people of God or not, that they would come to know the Lord, they, they would be converted. And they thought this meant that every person who wasn't of their faith would come to Israel, would come to Jerusalem, would gather at the temple in all its glory, in all its majesty, and they'd see this promise fulfilled. In their minds, therefore, to leave Jerusalem was actually to go against the will of God. It was to go against His plans, not just for them, but for humanity itself. Yet in this verse, in this passage we've just read, the opposite occurs. People are actually going from Jerusalem. Instead of Jerusalem being this magnet where people would be drawn to it, actually the scattered, it's, it's going out from Jerusalem. It is good to go. What we actually see here is the reclaiming of that word scattering. No longer is it a bad thing but it's a good, good thing. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, um, <laughs> this is really embarrassing. I was, I'm quite a, I'm a creature of habit. In the morning, I have a set way of doing things. And if I'm five minutes off, my day is ruined. Um, so I have, I leave about 10 minutes. I start at about quarter to nine and then I leave at five to nine. Um, what I mean, sorry, what I mean is I, I make my coffee at, Quarter to nine, don't wake up at quarter to nine. Uh, so quarter to nine, I get my coffee ready. I am a coffee snob, and I am very proud of it. Uh, so I have this thing called an AeroPress. Some people are like, yeah. Uh, it's like a French press. No. No. It's a way of making coffee. <laughs> so basically... So on an AeroPress, you put your coffee in, you get your water, and then you like push down, the water comes through this like filter, and then you have your coffee. I'll stick it in my flask, 
and I go off to the library because I'm a very hard-working student. Um, <laughs> just to remind my parents who'll listen to this podcast later. <laughs> uh, that one's for you, Mum and Dad. Um, <laughs> so I push it down on the AeroPress, and it's just not working. And I'm, it's coming up on five to nine, so <laughs> got to get going. So I just push harder. I don't restart. I just push harder, push harder, push harder. The next thing you know, I just hear this like, and the coffee goes everywhere. Not just on the, over the kitchen, but all over my bed, chinos. Uh, um, and so, what do you think I'd do? You think, oh, Zach, you'll clean the kitchen and you'll get a new pair of chinos. No, I'm not going to do that. I, <laughs> I just walk out the door <laughs> with like fairy liquid covered chinos. And I just get these really dirty looks in the library. <laughs> like, You've had a bad accident, mate. <laughs> That's an example of a bad scattering. <laughs> it's meant to be contained. It's meant to stay in. But it goes everywhere. <laughs> and it gets on your beige chinos. However, this scattering, it's a good thing. It's like a farmer who takes the seed and scatters it across his field, and that seed will grow into a crop that will bear good fruit. It is good to go. And yes, it's so important that we gather on Sunday mornings. You know, wasn't worship incredible this morning? Isn't, isn't his spirit here with us this morning? His joy is with us this morning. It is good to gather together. But the church was never meant to be confined to a building. It was destined to go. The next move of God will not be in his church. It'll actually be a movement of his church. Just thought I'd throw that in. It was designed, it was destined to go. And Philip is the example of those who were scattered. <clears throat> Uh, verse 5, it states that Philip went into the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And Philip, he's just like Stephen. He's one of the seven which are set aside in chapter 6. And they, uh, he's a Greek-speaking Jew. He's a waiter turned um, just kingdom carrier going out. <laughs> he got a promotion. Uh, <laughs> and we see Samaria this word Samaria. Why Samaria? Why not somewhere else? Why not Caesarea Maritima, which is, sorry, I'm just nerding out because I'm a theology student. Um, so why was Samaria controversial? So the Samaritans were the enemy of God's people. This is most clear to see in Jesus himself. He uses it in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke at chapter 10. And while they worshiped the same God, had similar-ish kind of Bibles. They had their own temple. And this was a big no-no. And it was an altered religion brought back from the captivity of a foreign oppressor. So to embrace the Samaritan was to declare to your friends, to your family, people who knew you, that, that the Jerusalem temple, it didn't matter anymore. Even though it was a pillar of the faith, it didn't matter anymore. 
And here we see the kingdom of God breaking down divides as it embraces the Samaritan. Years, centuries of hurt and hostility and pain and suffering is being healed. It's good. I wonder if God's in the business of doing that again. The answer is yes. So as I was saying, Philip is the example of the scattered. He is the person we look to to see what did it mean? What did it mean to be scattered? What did it look like? And so in verses 6 through 8, it talks about how the crowds would pay attention to him. They were fixed on him. They wanted to feast on his example and his words. And many were being healed. Many were being set free. You know, people who couldn't walk were walking again. And there was much joy in that city. There was much joy in that city. And as we come into land this morning, an ex-pastor of mine, he said that what God can do in the individual is exceptional. What he does in the community is exponential. What God can do in the individual is exceptional. What he does in the community is exponential. And so far in Acts, we've witnessed some incredible, incredible moments. You know, the Spirit is poured out on the followers of Jesus as they're scared and praying in an upper room. Signs and wonders are breaking out. People are being set free. Lives are being, broken lives are being restored. Opposition is constantly arising, constantly going against them, yet the Lord's plans are marching on. And even this morning, as we've read, in the pain, in the midst of the pain and the loss through the death of Stephen, it talks about in verses, uh, verse 2, how they greatly lamented over him. Even through the pain and the loss of his death, the kingdom of God goes on, and with it, the people of that kingdom. And those followers bring life and joy to every town, every city, every environment, and every circumstance that they find themselves in. And so we, as believers, as people of God, as carriers of His kingdom, we're not called to simply speak this good news we are called to be that good news. We are called to bring life wherever we go. As you go in to perhaps St. Andrews or back to where um, at East Fife where you live, we are called to bring life wherever we go. Whether you're in your workplace tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., whether you're in the library beginning your revision for exams, whether you're in the gym, wherever it is, we are called to bring life. The church was destined to bring joy to its surrounding environment. And Kingdom Vineyard is called to bring joy to East Fife. So why don't we stand? I'm just going to pray for us. Lizzie, Hannah, you want to come up? Uh, so why don't we just pray?
Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us, that you are moving amongst us. And Lord, we just ask for more in this moment. God, come and counter us afresh. Mm. Come and have your way.